Armoire is every woman's dream closet. An MIT entrepreneur comes up with a great idea. We're delivering about $3,000 worth of designer inventory through your virtual closet. A brand new wardrobe for businesswomen every month. And you don't have to buy it. You pick four. Enjoy them for as long as you want. And when you're done with them, send them back to us and get new things. Keeping the girls in place? A Boston College entrepreneur invented a way to go braless and comfortably. Not just less is more, but nothing is better than what's out there. So we have engineered patent-pending design, no wires, no fasteners, that allows a woman to be out of her bra and still feel dressed. And when a great business idea comes to you at 2 a.m. and you're a freshman in college, how do you make it happen? In the middle of the night, I realized that I had a better solution for the current menstrual sanitary napkin. Mulling it over for a little bit and talking to Devin, we were able to run over to our school's entrepreneurship center and get started. This is The Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs and anyone considering a startup. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. On this episode, we look at fashion and more from young women entrepreneurs. Here's Greg Stoller with Ambika Singh, CEO of Armoire, fashion for the boss lady. Thanks, Don. Not happy with what's in your closet? How would you like the chance to replace all of it within 15 seconds without having to buy any of it? We're on location at MIT's Trust Center for Entrepreneurship with Ambika Singh, the CEO and co-founder of Armoire, and welcome to Language of Business. Thank you. I had had this problem essentially all my life. I had a very overstuffed closet that I had spent tons of time curating and maintaining. And yet, even though I'm not a wasteful person and it bothered me that I was wasting, I really wanted something different to wear. And so I thought, hmm, there's got to be a better way, especially because the clothes that I'm consigning or giving away are essentially new. And I had been sharing clothes with my friends, my cousin, my mom all my life. And I thought, hmm got to be an easier way to make this happen. How can you replace an entire wardrobe in less than 15 seconds? Well, the way you can do it is that first, we're going to understand your preferences, both from a style and fit perspective. And then we're going to use that information to run through our algorithm and decide what kinds of things might you like. Then we'll put 10 to 15 of them in a virtual closet. And from that closet, you pick four. Enjoy them for as long as you want. And when you're done with them, send them back to us and get new things. How do you know if the 10 or 15 that your algorithm is suggesting aren't going to look good on you at all? So we learn that over time. Basically, what we're trying to do is figure out from the past things that you've rented and from people who look like you, what kinds of things have really fit for them and for you. And with those two pieces of information, we kind of triangulate and figure out what we think you might like. You have an unlimited number of sizes for every wardrobe choice. We have an unlimited amount of choices. We have different kinds of sizes and different SKUs depending on what people tend to like in those kinds of size ranges. How did you arrive at $149 per month as your price? That's a great question. There's a lot that goes into rental, including the fact that we dry clean, we ship for free. So we kind of added up all of the costs and figured that we're delivering about $3,000 worth of designer inventory through your closet every month. So it seemed like a pretty fair thing on both sides and it still allowed us to pay our employees. You're co-located on the West and the East Coast. How do you run a business on opposite sides of the country? 
We do a lot of teleconferencing and using video services and can you hear me? Can you hear me? It's kind of a combination of really having a lot of trust between the co-founders and having great communication. You mentioned that it's fashion for the boss lady. Yes. Are your offerings only for women? Currently, they're only for women. And the reason that we really focus on women is because there's a different amount of pressure on women, particularly professional women, to show a lot of variety in their wardrobe. For example, if you wear the same suit five days in a row, as long as you change the shirt, nobody's probably going to sure. notice. Women change their dresses and their skirts and their tops and their scarves. And so the pressure, both from a time perspective as well as the pressure on your wallet, is really imbalanced. And that's why we started with women, because we want to make their lives easier. In terms of scaling the business, where do you hope to be in three to five years? We really hope to kind of coming back to what I said, to be helping a big percentage of professional women. So right now what we see is that they spend a lot of time both curating and maintaining, dry cleaning. And what really brings a smile on their face is to wear something new. And so we want to give them that opportunity without taking away all of the time and the pressure. What would happen if an existing competitor adjusted their algorithm such that they could give them 15 choices and rent four at one time? We really think that we're building a relationship with our customers that is something that will hopefully keep them with us. Essentially, the first box that we send you is the hardest for us because we know the least about you but over time we know more and more about you and so by the time you get your second or your third box we've really understood who you are and so we hope that even if a competitor adjusts and starts curating right now we're the only rental service that really curates we hope that our customers will stay with us are you worried that someone could look through all the inventory and not have enough say three months from now the way the business works is that we continually add inventory so the way the cost model works is that we've provisioned for that so there's always something new to see and sometimes customers want to see old things and so we make sure that we've got back stock of things that she's loved before occasionally she'll really fall in love with something and then we offer really discounted prices for her to purchase it but we think that this is a better way to buy because all women have looked in front of their closet seen the overstuffed closet and thought oh why did I buy all those things so we really want you to buy when you fall in love and otherwise just send it back to us What's the single biggest item that keeps you up at night about your business? Are we going to be able to deliver on all of these big promises we've made? So uh, we really want to be impacting women of all different walks of life. And right now we understand the boss lady. Are we going to be able to understand the needs of all of them? And am I going to be able to keep the energy behind this? Because startups are hard. So right now, I mean, my team is what keeps me going. We're an amazing group of six co-founders. All women? and two brave men. So four women, two brave men who have now learned what a romper is and what <laughs> V-necks are. But they're a great group of people and I think we keep each other going. So. If you could finish the sentence, five to 10 years from now, we hope for a sale, merger, IPO, or other. We hope for an IPO. We're building this business for the long run. So we want to create real value for our customers and for our shareholders and for our employees. What did you get out of MIT's Delta V Accelerator? They gave us mentorship and advice from people who had run businesses like this before. They helped us preempt the pitfalls. They helped us get off the ground with customers by giving us access to them through press and through marketing materials. And finally, gave us some cash, which was useful. And the founders got stipends and we had a little bit of money to buy inventory and really get off the ground. So the accelerator honestly was the difference between this living and dying on a PowerPoint and to become 
becoming a real thing. So we're currently raising a funding round and we're about 90% committed on the funding round. So we can definitely survive for 12 months with the cash that we've taken in. And to be at a thousand customers and $2 million in forward-looking ARR by the time we raise money again. Terrific story. Thank you. Ambika Singh, CEO and co-founder of Armoire. Coming up, the new menstrual pad technology developed by two UNH entrepreneurs. But first, keeping the girls in place. Braless fashion with comfort. Back to Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. Entrepreneurs often hear less is more, and Melanie Berger believes that. Her company, Mari Wear, is revolutionizing what women wear when they want to get out of their bras, yet still feel fully dressed regardless of the time of day. Melanie, welcome to The Language of Business. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. Braless collection, what does that mean? What that means is not just less is more, but nothing is better than what's out there. No wires, no fasteners. What's the value proposition to your customer? So the value proposition is all about being able to get out of your bra, yet still feel dressed as you mentioned. So we have engineered patent pending design that allows a woman to be out of her bra, put on our garments, and still feel dressed, whether she's entertaining people, has teenage boys, working from home, or traveling. Is this a technology play or a fashion play? It is more of a technology play because currently there's nothing in the market that is designed as an integrated garment for women to get out of their bras. Are you more concerned about someone stealing your fashion or your technology? I'm more concerned about somebody stealing the technology. So it's important for us to be first to market. So we launched two years ago and have been very aggressive in getting into the marketplace and have had resounding acceptance. Sales have been fantastic and will expand with new styles and silhouettes and expand the collection. Based on your website, it looks like you do a lot of trunk shows. How does somebody understand the technology if they're having to look at it online? We have some very detailed information online, a diagram that explains what the inner garment is and how it's constructed with the no wires or fasteners. There's nothing like touching it and feeling it. So we are in retail locations and the trunk shows do work well for that. Do you ever show up to some of the retailers personally to help shill for your own company? Oh, absolutely. And there's nothing like being there and getting the feedback. One of my big thrills is to have somebody look at it, touch it, oh, there's no way that's gonna work. You know, they just, the skepticism is so obvious in their eyes and I encourage them to go try it on. They come out and they've got glimmer in their eyes. They're like, wow, this really is amazing. So that's a thrill I don't wanna miss. Where is it manufactured? It's manufactured in New York. The fabrics come out of LA. They're printed and trucked to New York and the manufacturing is done in the garment district of New York City. Was there any particular difficulties in the sourcing of your components? There was, and I'll tell you, part of it was my own personal goal for everything to be great. And the fabric, for instance, took me quite a long time to locate. I am a pill Nazi. I did not want it to pill. I didn't want it to shrink. I didn't want it to wrinkle. And that took me four months to find the perfect fabric. The other components are challenging because, again, watching costs but we have found great sources for everything that goes into the garment and we're quite thrilled with our suppliers. Do you consider LA to be the epicenter of fashion? Is that why you chose that as your hub? 
It's definitely an epicenter for fabrics. So they have huge shows as they do in New York, but there's a lot of fabric mills out in LA. I would say the majority of them are out there as opposed to in New York. And do you do your fashion planning with your designers online or do you frequently fly back and forth to LA? Oh, we will definitely do FaceTime. So this is an important component for the success of the company, so. And how about the manufacturing out of New York? Oh, quick drive, three and a half hours, I'm there and it's perfect. So we've got great communication and great relationship there. How about margins? Margins are tough, as you can imagine, when you manufacture in the U.S. So our margins we're working on by building our collection and our manufacturing volumes, and that will help us with our margins. Does the U.S. label matter? I think it does, and I was very adamant personally to keep it made in the U.S. We participated in American Field, which is done here in Boston and all around the country, and have been told many, many, many times that people are very sensitive to that. And when somebody walks up and sees on the tag, made in the USA, I immediately get a reaction. Why Boston as the place to start? I live here. I think Boston is the hub of a lot of innovation. I was part of the Mass Challenge Incubator program here and a wonderful program at Boston College through their MBA school and just constantly inspired by the people here and the breadth of knowledge and across all industries. Would you ever consider relocating to a lower cost portion of the United States before going internationally? For my factory, yes. I personally plan on staying here for a while, but we did a bake-off for the factories, uh, meaning that we put it in a number of different locations and to see who would give the best output for the best price. We're very much about quality. We monitor everything very closely. I would consider other factories in the U.S. before I'd go overseas. Tell us more about the collection. It's not just daytime apparel, it's also nighttime apparel as well. Yes. My original concept was actually more for nighttime. It was lounge sleepwear. Little did I know the predominance of women who wanted to be out of their bras across many aspects of their lifestyle. So what I originally conceived as lounge sleep rise as my tagline is now braless comfort and confidence because women want to be out of their bra, be comfortable, but also feel confident. I can be dressed like this, I'm in a bra, I feel confident, but maybe not so comfortable. So this bridges that gap between fashion and function. With or without a bra, what keeps you up at night about your business? <laughs> I'm definitely without a bra. I'm definitely in my Mari wear. And what keeps me up is trying to figure out how to address all of the, not just the financial challenges, but the opportunities. What I love is that women have worn it for so much more. I immediately got started getting calls from people who are wearing it for medical. A huge following for people who are inpatient medical care and outpatient medical care. Resort wear, to and from the spa. So the use cases became much more evolved than what I originally perceived, which I'm thrilled. So I'm finding myself specialty market here, specialty market there, the mass market, and trying to figure out how best to take this and get it as a wardrobe staple in every woman's dressing. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you. Melanie Berger, the CEO of MariWare. Still to come, two UNH entrepreneurs come up for the new, more comfortable menstrual pad technology when the language of business continues. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, and I'm guessing you do because you've gotten this far into this one, let me tell you about another one I think you'll enjoy. It's called The Story Behind Her Success. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. That's what the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry is all about. Once a week, she'll make your day and change your life by introducing you to a woman whose story is so powerful, you'll never forget it. 
The program host is award-winning broadcaster Candy O'Terry. She's been the Massachusetts Broadcaster Association Broadcaster of the Year and winner of 18 Gracie Allen Awards. Candy has interviewed over 800 women from every walk of life, so there's no stumbling around in this podcast. Success is so much more than the outcome. It's about the journey. It's a story of how you got there. So buckle up and go along for the ride. The story behind her success with Candy O'Terry available wherever you get podcasts. You're listening to the Language of Business look at fashion and more from young women entrepreneurs. One more time, here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. It's the middle of the night, you're in your dorm room, and you've come up with that killer business idea. What do you do next? We'll tell you. We're profiling Kate Aiken and Devin McMahon from the University of New Hampshire. Welcome to Language of Business. Kate, what happened in the middle of the night? In the middle of the night, I realized that I had a better solution for the current menstrual sanitary napkin. And in mulling it over for a little bit and talking to Devin, we were able to run over to our school's entrepreneurship center and get started. And that's what's so great about college and UNH. <laughs> and this isn't your first business idea? It isn't. Devin and I both have our own nonprofits as well. I started Project Play when I was 16, and we sponsor children to play sports. And I started Your Eyes Wide Open, which is an organization that supports education in developing countries. You came up with the idea at 2 o'clock in the morning, but what did you do at 6 a.m. the next day? It took a few days to think over it, and I actually heard that UNH has a innovation to market competition in which you can get seed funding and go through a rigorous business plan process. And realizing that, I talked to Devin, who's one of the most competent students and people I know, and we went forward with the competition, actually winning second place as freshmen. What are your plans for the next 6 to 12 months? To wrap up our research and development, and then from there, begin talking with potential investors, get some funding, and start selling our product. How has UNH contributed to the development of your entrepreneurial idea, Kate? UNH has been incredibly supportive. We are able to talk with the CEO of our local accelerator. We're able to talk with seasoned entrepreneurs and work with the network that UNH can provide to make our startup the best it can be. I have a great team surrounding me on both startups. On Project Play, I've given some younger people some chance to take on more and really focusing on Lilypad right now to make it a reality. Devin, when you become a junior, you have to declare your major. Is it going to be entrepreneurship or something else? I actually think I'm going to focus in other areas because entrepreneurship, I think, is so experiential. And with the eCenter being right there at UNH, it's such a great opportunity for learning there instead of in the classroom. Kate, if your startup takes off, would you consider quitting school and working on it full-time? I definitely would. I've always valued experiential learning, and if I'm going to learn more in the real world, I want to take that opportunity while I can. Devin, do you share the same feeling? I think that I would stay in school. I would be willing to go to school part-time, but I think that if I left school now to pursue a career, I wouldn't go back. And it's really important to me that I've invested in school now, so I want to finish that. Kate Aiken, Devin McMahon, future and current entrepreneurs at the University of New Hampshire. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. And that's our episode this week. You can find links to all the people and companies we've interviewed on the show notes. We now have downloads in 45 countries and 33 states plus D.C. Thanks for the support. If you subscribe and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, it'll be a huge help. Our director is Mark Mandel. Social media by Jennifer Powell of ExcellentWriters.com. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio editing and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of SomethingYouShouldKnow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.